0: It's a Bumblecast Mini, sponsored by Goomba Broadcast.
1: I've started working on a fan epic Mickey comic series, both for fun and for practice, for if I ever uh, make an official comic based on my own IP. However, I find it quite difficult figuring out how to fit the appropriate amount of story into a standard 24-page issue. What would be some advice you would give to someone trying to write a multi-issue story based on a game?
0: All right, so you know the game, so you right there have all of your story beats built in. You know the major points, you know the characters involved, you know where it begins, you know where it ends, you know the whole narrative flow. The hard part's done, really. Uh, the question then is, how many issues do you have to play with? And that, that's the big deciding factor, because that's going to determine how many pages total you have to play with. If you have four issues, you are not going to do a full adaptation of Epic Mickey. That ain't going to happen. If you have set yourself much larger number, then go nuts. And then once you know how many issues you have, then you know what your beats are throughout. So each issue should cover at least one of the major plot beats. And what you could probably do is... Re- end on a cliffhanger as you build up to one of the next big conflicts in the game, resolve it in the next issue and then build up to the next major conflict. So you have that kind of constant flow of resolution and build and climax and such and such. Then once you have those individual signposts established, then you look at your 24 page count. Then you decide which moments need to be, Dwelled upon which elements can be moved over quickly, which elements you may have to omit because you know you have a finite amount of space and comics are a static medium. You cannot fit the same amount of material in a page as you can in something that's animated. So once you have narrowed your focus and established your framework, then you can have an easier time of deciding what goes page by page. Wow.
1: That was a, a lot of detail. I hope that helps. When creating characters that are supposed to pay homage to your own favorite characters, how close can your character be to the inspiration? While I can say all the characters I make do look different enough, I worry that some key features and personality traits might be too close to the inspiration. It's a
0: matter of if you transplanted them to the source material, the inspirational material, would they fit in and replace the character that inspired them? Like if it's one-to-one, if your character could completely fill the role of the other, I think you've skewed too far. It's a little more of a carbon copy paste. If it doesn't make sense for the character to work out that way, if there would, you'd have to make adjustments to the original narrative, then I think you're generally fine. Avoid, you know, nervous ticks or catchphrases or signature moves or stuff that's like, hallmark of the inspirational character, because those are like key defining features. If you are basing a character off of Bugs Bunny, let's say for general understanding, your character really can't chew on a rutabaga and say, yeah, what's up physician. It ain't going to (laughs) fly. Everyone will see through that. But if your character is kind of a wisecracker who kind of fights for the little guy and will intentionally antagonize bad people just to give them enough rope to hang themselves, that's a broad enough archetype that, sure, you can say it's inspired by bugs, but you can say it's inspired by a number of other characters. That's the key distinction, is can your character stand on their own, or are they wholesale like the inspiration?
1: All right. That kind of makes sense to me. Um, I mean, also, if you're just kind of doing this for your own thing, you can... You know, just kind of do whatever you want. But you know, if you are planning on sharing it with other people, and you know, don't necessarily want to call attention to the fact that you've <laughs> have a character that's in- quite uh, heavily inspired by one of your favorite characters, then might be a good idea to change him up a bit. Anyway, what's good, PhD? <laughs> If I were to make a new character in a piece of media that I myself really liked, only for that character to be absolutely panned by most fans, is it better to try and improve what whatever wasn't working, or just remove the character? I like to believe that even the most egregiously written character can be fixed and redeemed in that way, but what is your professional opinion? Uh,
0: depends on a lot of circumstances. Like if the character that you're pitching is supposed to be super cool and the one that everyone looks up to and like the cornerstone of what you're doing and everyone's like, this guy's lame. (laughs) Boo. Get off the stage. Yeah. Then you're going to want to look at it and rework it a bit. See why it isn't working. If a character is supposed to be, I don't know, uh, heroic and it's being panned because everyone perceives them as an absolute monster. Then you really need to step back and go, oh, what am I doing here? And maybe it is better to just quietly escort them off a cliff rather than bend over backwards trying to fix what's inherently broken. It it, it really would depend on what the scenario is. Um, something else to consider is when you are receiving your feedback, look at the feedback itself if it is kind of parroted, if it's simplistic, if it is clearly missing the point of what you're trying to make here, it could just be that the audience that you are hearing from isn't getting what you're putting out. And that's not necessarily a fault on your end. However, if the critiques coming back are sensible, if they are deconstruction of what you've created, if there are explanations about why what you were attempting to achieve just isn't landing, then that is a critique that you can take in and utilize to make adjustments and course correct. Um, whether you want to do that in the narrative itself, or if you want to maybe reboot and take it back to formula, that would be up to you. Depends on how much time you've invested into this project Depends on how much of a change it would necessitate. Like, would calling out these changes in the narrative just be too on the nose, or could it be part of the character's personal growth? All depends on what's going on. Back to formula.
1: How could we go back to formula?
0: Okay, it might be That's a good like explosion.
1: It might be a good idea to go back to formula. I can. I just. I just can't imagine anybody. I every time I hear back to formula, I just think of Spider Man.
0: Green Goblin. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Back to I, I have, I have both been the advisor and I've been Norman Osborn at different times. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. <laughs> From my
1: understanding, at least, Patreon is like an online tipping service for people who create content on their own time. As someone who wants to create my own animated content online while also having a job in the industry, animation, and gaming major, at what point in creating content would you say is the appropriate time to open a Patreon? Asking, since it would make the extra work worth it, but I'd still want it to be a worthy investment for others to make. That is very arbitrary, to be honest.
0: I think Um, right now, (laughs) immediately, as soon as you can. uh, Like, some folks just really enjoy seeing the process, so it doesn't really matter what you're producing. It's giving them a window into how you're creating the craft would be interesting to them, and that's worth price of admission alone. You don't necessarily have to do exact commissions or promise this finalized product. If you are just putting it out there as here is my you know workbench Patreon, basically, mm-hmm. I'll update once a week, show you my in-betweens, show you the process of what I'm putting together, explain what I'm doing and why. You don't have to make it a full lecture course, but you know provide a little bit of insight into how it works. Folks might find that interesting and come to see. And if you have the free time to you know do custom animations for folks, that will bring more people in as well, but it all comes down to what your time is and what you can develop for it. Yeah. If you want this to just be like a little extra thing on the side, like maybe some pocket change money, then yeah, just upload what you have, you know, make being regular is the most important thing, being reliable with your updates and just being clear about what you're producing. And if you want to, do more with it, or if you get the attention and it becomes a gig for you, then more power to you. Then you can shift your focus onto that. But just starting out, you know, say this is what I'm doing. This is what I'm producing at this regular interval. If you want to access it and support me, here's how you do it.
1: Yeah, don't worry about crazy tiers to start off with either. Mm-mm. Just do just. just... Just open it up, say, like, have maybe one or two tiers, depending on if you want, like, certain content to be more premium or whatever. But, yeah, just open it up and start small and work from there. And also another uh, thing that was brought up from the chat is uh, join, start your Patreon right now before they hike the rates again. (laughs) <laughs> Which,
0: yeah. <laughs> oh, I didn't know that was coming.
1: Ah, <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, mm. yeah. Yep. We're grandfathered in,
0: so we're good. Yeah, we got into the ground floor.
1: Jeez. Yeah, yeah. Also, you're like a $2 tier. Apparently now $2 is the recommended minimum instead of $1. But, eh. So, this economy, I tell you. I know, I know. So much inflation. Jeez. To what extent are fan ideas off-limits? Sam made a short video on YouTube about Fang at a taco stand and established tacos as his absolute favorite food. Would, Fang love ta- would Fang's love for tacos become a big no-no in official media, or would it simply be the exact events that take place at the taco stand in this video?
0: <laughs> well, I mean, if I don't see the video, then it's a moot point, but that's not what you're asking. <laughs> taco. Basically, if it's a plot line, if it's establishing something some kind of character trait if it creates a through line that could be replicated and created as some form of media that's too much if you can point at and say hey that was my idea definitively here is proof i can't use it for all sorts of reasons now if you just have the idea of tacos exist in sonic's world that's so vague and broad Nobody can really lay claim to that. Well, does the concept does the concept of
1: tacos exist in Sonic's world in the same way? Maybe the concepts of say physics might exist, or <laughs> the concepts of yin and yang, or the concepts of... You know, you, never mind. <laughs> Speaking of Fang, what nicknames would a Fang give to each member of Team Chaotix and Team Dark? Uh, let's see.
0: Vector is headphone-y. Uh SBO is needle nose, which he finds especially insulting because it's neither a needle nor is it on his nose.
1: (laughs) Yeah, even though it should be on his nose, considering he is supposed to be a chameleon, but whatever. Let's see, Charmy. Would he even care about Charmy?
0: (laughs) Oh, he would hate Charmy. Charmy's obnoxious. Well, I mean... (laughs) Uh, he would continually say, buzz off, flyboy. There you go. Mm, there you go. Sure. <laughs> He'd call Shadow discount Sonic. Omega would be the angry trash can. <laughs> and Rouge. Rouge is Miss Rouge, because he knows better. They <laughs> have history. Discount Sonic.
1: <laughs> Fang is my favorite character now. <laughs> <laughs> What does the E in the E series stand for? If it's just egg, does that mean the egg pawns, egg fighters, and all the other badniks with the name starting with egg are part of the E
0: series? No, from my understanding, and I could be wrong, the E series, the E does stand for egg because it's Eggman. Come on now. And the E series covered a handful of badniks around the adventure era. And the E-100 line, which, you know, had zero and gamma and all of them and ended with Omega. Uh, there are a few other E numbers. You got your e. Was it the 1,000 to 2,000? That was the gamma knockoff. Uh, the E-10,000, the E-whatever-they-were-in-the-writer series. But at, but after that point, it was kind of retired. I believe the Egg Fighters and the Egg Ponds are their own lines entirely.
1: Mm, I guess that would make some
0: sense. They do look a bit different. Well, I I do wonder if the egg fighters are part of the egg pawn line because they are similar in design. Mm-hmm. But there's also subsets of egg fighters and subsets of egg pawn. So maybe they are different lines. I don't know. Hmm. Interesting. Might be something
1: to bring up. When writing new stories in the Sonic series, do you ever have to worry about unintentionally repeating past stories, whether your own or by other writers?
0: Yeah, uh, I don't think I've ever run into that myself, but there have been so many Sonic stories over the years, my my own notwithstanding, that um, you know, the formula does run the risk of retreading old ground. But that's Mm-mm. why you have editors and other people overseeing these things.
1: Yes, that makes sense. If Sega asked you to do another Sonic X comic series that took place during the Metarex saga, would you keep the dark tone that season had or make it get goofy like the original comic did?
0: I don't know, because the comic was its kind of signature thing was being goofy, but I really don't think we could reconcile it with the events and characters that were in season three. Unless it completely (laughs) ignored the progression of Season 3, pretty much, and was just kind of its own goofy side take. Yeah. It would
1: be tough, I think. And it also would depend on what you would be allowed to do. Like, once the Metarex saga is done, would you be able to move on, or would you just be
0: stuck? Hmm. If you picked up after the Metarex saga, then you're just back to regular Sonic, you know? I suppose. I guess that would make some sense.
1: In the post-reboot Archie comics, several of the adventures of characters such as Breezy and Professor Von Schlimmer found themselves reintegrated into the series in ways that fit with the games. Had this trend continued, what do you think would have been done for Warpnik, Robotnik's fish-obsessed cousin who was imprisoned in the special zone?
0: Believe it or not, I did kind of workshop that idea a little bit.
1: (laughs) I mean, I believe anything at this point when it comes to you (laughs) bringing back certain (laughs) just one-off weirdo characters.
0: Like, I never pitched anything. This isn't like a lost concept. It, It never got off my hard drive. But I was kind of thinking about if thematically Eggman is the embodiment of totalitarian order. Everything is put into robots of his design. Everything is uniform and under his control, he is the dark side of order. Then Warpnik would be the antithesis. He would be the embodiment of chaos. Now Sonic himself is already diametrically opposed to Eggman in that he is also the embodiment of chaos. He's freedom. He's the the freedom to move the freedom to live as you want, protecting the freedom of others by smashing up the overly restrictive order that Eggman creates And that's where their conflict lies. Warpnik would be the other extreme. You know, absolute devastating destabilizing chaos. Destruction for the sake of destruction. No rhyme, no reason. Nothing redeemable about it. Just wanton devastation. And Sonic, you know, fighting that to protect the well-being and the freedoms of others just to survive. And I thought that was a neat enough high concept, but... Never really went anywhere with it beyond that. Mm. Well, that's a shame.
1: Stopping freedom. You stop Sonic stopping the freedom of a takeover. How dare he? (laughs) How dare he? It's been stated a few times that if the Freedom Fighters were to return in the IDW comics, they would be clean slates and not based on their Archie adaptations. That being said, how does this apply to Nicole? The concept of her having a real form was indeed a concept planned for Am but her design as a lynx came from Archie. So she seems to be a strange case. I feel like we've addressed this a couple times, but
0: yeah, probably, but the clean slate scenario is what I think is most likely. It is not necessarily how it would go, but who knows to be sure. Uh, In the clean slate scenario, Nicole is just her handheld form period. The lynx thing is an Archie concept. So that's off the table and her having a physical body beforehand was all intended material, potential material, but it never saw the light of day. So it's not canon. It's not viable in this scenario. So Nicole would be literally back to square one. Yeah, she's kind of in a
1: weird state in that she's. Her Link's form is not. Is is an ori- Archie original and not a Saturday M original thing. So. Uh, unless. There was some sort of agreement made to bring that design over or something, but uh, I'm not going to hold my breath, sadly. Uh, and she's my favorite character, too. Oh, well. We got one last question. Bean the Dynamite, Tangle the Lemur, and Black Doom all barge into your office and just have to ask, who's your favorite? All three try their best to smile and look endearing to you.
0: the idea of black dune smiling immediately vetoes him don't you ever do that again get out of my house Uh and he's fun to spoof on the show but he he ain't my favorite by a long shot Oh no 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 uh but between bean and tangle well that's simple bean is my favorite game character and tangles my favorite comic character of my own creation there you go (laughs) everybody's happy right stop asking questions here have some cookies
1: well it's a good thing we're at the end of
0: this episode if you're telling them to stop asking questions no more questions Thank you so much to Goomba Broadcast for sponsoring this episode. If you want a mini of your own, head over to patreon.com slash bumblecast, ko slash bumblecast, or become a YouTube member. See you in the next one.